0: The message today is entitled, is entitled Taking Back That Which Has Been Lost, Reclaiming Lost Ground. We have seen our nation deteriorate, but we've seen our churches deteriorate, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. And we're going to go into the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and I will begin the reading. There'll be a lot of scripture today, but let me set up the text, and then I'm going to have you stand for the reading of this short passage of scripture from Ephesians 1 17 through 23 don't read ahead listen to me let me introduce what we're fixing to read Paul was writing to a church in Ephesus the church at Ephesus the people there were called Ephesians he was wanting them to make sure that they understood what a church was and what it was to do and what they could expect and what they were not to expect But the main thing he wanted them to understand was the power that they possessed, that as the church and the body of Christ, or the bride of Christ and the body of Christ, that they possessed a supernatural power that came from God, and that if they would be the church that God wanted the church to be, then they could expect the things that you'll see here in a minute. Now, as we go through this, you're going to see that a lot of these things seemingly have gotten away from us. And so I want you to just prayerfully listen to the Scripture. Let me try to open it up to all of us where we can understand it and see what the Holy Spirit will do in the life of us individually and the life of our local church that we call Sagemont. We welcome those that join us on the Internet. It's always a joy to have you And God just has a plan for every life in every country all over our world. Listen to Ephesians 1, but would you, out of respect to the reading of the Scripture and the beauty of this passage, would you stand and let me read it out loud. Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. Again, Paul writing this to a church. He could have written it to Sagemont, but he wrote it to the church at Ephesus. Now Listen. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and in every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. Last two verses, this describes the church. He hath put all things under the church's feet, gave them to be the head over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Would you be seated? Thank you for standing. In one short sentence, the way to know truth is to know God. You don't know God, you don't know truth. He is the truth. And when we talk about any subject, Everyone has to decide, what's my authority? What's mine to preach it? What is yours to hear it? What do you listen for? What do you want to hear? What do you want to know? Is your life committed to a dream or a a vision or an idea of what you think the world ought to be like and the church ought to be like? Or is it locked in to, Lord, teach me your ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. Help me to understand, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Everybody's telling me what I ought to do But I want you to tell me what I ought to do because you created me for something. You know, you can be good at sports, but the sports can be very different. I mean, you can be good at music, but your musical gifts are different. Some can dance. Some can play the wind instruments. Some can play guitar. Some can play the piano. There's all kinds of sports. And because someone is good in one sport doesn't make them good in another sport, even though they're a great athlete. Well, here's the thing. God has given all the spiritual gifts to his church. But all of these things come together to make what's called a body. And then the Lord says, I'm going to empower that body. I'm going to bless you individually. And then I'm going to bless you collectively. But when the foundation crumbles in any structure, the structure begins to fall. Now, the foundation was laid from in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And then we're going to pick up the other story as to how things began to fall apart and all kinds of horrible things happened through the Old Testament. And then one day, God said, enough is enough, and he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus came. He said, I'm the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And I am going to come, and I'm going to teach you the truth. And then I am going to pay for the sins that have crumbled the foundation. And I am going to come to live in the life of my bride, the church, individually and collectively. And I will give spiritual gifts to all members of my family, my spiritual family. And I will put them on a solid rock and all I ask them to do is follow me. Now, let me just say this and you'll pick up on it later. Authority has always been a problem with mankind. Adam and Eve could not handle authority. And most of us can't handle it at times. And that's never changed. And yet, in order for it to work, the foundation's got to be strong and the authority has got to be identified and those that are under authority are to serve the one that we're told to serve follow the one we're told to follow in the way that he wants us to follow him and then he says I'll promise you that if you'll follow me you'll see people come to the Lord whether it's India whether it's Houston or whether it's Africa or where it might be but you must do what I command John 8 32 the scripture says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So we've got it all identified here. And Jesus says, you're to follow me. I'm the word that has become flesh. I have paid for your sins. You are now born again. Old things are passed away. You're forgiven. They're forgotten. And now I've got a plan for you. But my plan will demand that you quit walking this way after your own dreams and start going this way following me. And that word means repent. When you turn, that means repentance. It's a military term to repent. Now, God gave to us purpose for our life and purpose for our churches. In those purposes, he made it very clear that we're to be the foundation of all Christendom. In a world today that says, I don't need the church, the Lord says, you've got to have the church. That's my bride. I'm going to work through my church. And as we talked about last week, he's not talking about an invisible church. He's talking about something where you can see it and be a part of it and be personally touched by it. And in the 8th chapter John, verse 45... And 46 because I tell you the truth listen to what he's saying about his followers I tell you the truth but you believe me not which of you convinces me of sin and if I say the truth why don't you believe me he says why do you argue with me what I say is right and wrong why do you come up and say what I say about marriage is right what you say about I want my own way why do you choose to follow your doctrine instead of my doctrine when you understand that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you said, I'm going to follow me. And those that know the Lord follow him. He says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they follow me. But then you have churches today that says, sign up here, come here, be a part of this, take this ordinance, and everything is going to be fine. No, the Bible says you got to be born again. Being born again means that you got to die to the old sinful nature, that we'll see here in just a second, and then we got to walk with God. Now look at John 18, 37. We'll get the, all the preachers out of this and we're going to bring a guy named Pilate to the platform. Pilate had some real serious problems. He loved authority. He loved power. He liked to tell people what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. He came up against a whole lot of people in his courtroom. However, John 18, verse 37 Jesus is in front of Pilate. Pilate therefore said unto him, Jesus, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. To this end I was born. For this cause came I into the world, that I would bear witness unto the truth. Now listen to this. Every one that is of the truth hears my voice. Well, who are the other people? The people that don't hear it, they don't read the word, they don't pray, they don't listen to sermons, they don't listen to Bible teachings, they don't want to hear what God has to say. They have made up their mind, this is what I'm going to do, now don't bother me with the facts. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and because everybody's doing it, it's got to be right. Well, Pilate is dealing with this right here. He makes it very, very strong, and then Jesus says, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. How do you hear God's voice? You know His word. And as I've told you, read it out loud and you'll hear His voice. But now there comes a warning 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Some years have passed. Timothy's a young man. He's coming up in a new culture. It's different from Paul's culture. It, cultures always change. And you've got to be careful that his culture has changed, that church doesn't change its main purpose. It can, its methodology can change as long as it's biblical. But its message never changes. Now listen to the warning. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul writing to this young man who is mentoring. And here's what he says in verse 3 and 4. For the time will come, Timothy, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears From the truth, and they will turn unto false fables. Here's what he says to this young man He says, Now, Timothy, your world's gonna change. Your culture's gonna change. The ethics of culture will change. But you obey my word. You do what I'm telling you to do. And there's gonna be many that are gonna come up and try to lead you into the cultural way, but you follow me. That's the message, and that's the warning. So the older Paul. Says to the younger Timothy, I want you to lead the church to be the church that Jesus established. He wanted the local church in Ephesus. I want the local church in Houston. And since it's Sagemont where I pastor to be a part of that, that we be a foundation, that we stay faithful to the word of God. That's Jesus' word. He gives the warning, don't veer from where you think that spots of the Bible are inspired and you're inspired to spot the spots. And you'll pick what you want to pick and so forth. It's all God's word. But you can't grow until you're born. Does that make sense? You first get born, right? And then you start growing. But unless you're born again, you can't grow. And the worst thing in the world is somebody's never been born again trying to grow in the Christian faith. I mean, they get so absolutely confused. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I don't get that. I don't get that. Well, it's because you're still dead in trespasses and sin. But when you're born again and God moves into your life, the guy that wrote this book will interpret this book to you personally. And he'll hit you at the point of your needs. He will help you get to the right scripture at the right time, at the right moment in your life. And boy, when that happens, we all get excited. I want you to listen to Ephesians 1:20. He says, which he has wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his right hand in the heavenly places. Now you hold on to this. Let me go ahead and tell you what I want you to look for. When God spoke to Adam, you remember he had a real problem with Adam and Eve. He gave them the whole world. Everything. Just don't eat one tree. Just one. Just one. Not Ten Commandments. One tree. Don't eat any fruit off of that tree. A messed up. Messed up. You say, well, they love fruit. He said, eat it all. One tree. Don't eat that. Well, they lost that. Then Jesus comes back on resurrection morning and regains all that was lost and gives it to his church. Now we're going to take that and mess it up. We're going to take that and say, oh, God just doesn't love me. If he would, he'd let me do this and do that. And I could do this because I'm free and all that kind of stuff. Well, hold on a minute. Let me take you to a good study Bible, the Holman Study Bible. I I use this quite often. It's just taking the scripture and putting it in the 19th verse in these words. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength? Now, if you miss everything in this sermon, please Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. When Jesus' body was put in a borrowed tomb on a Friday, the powers of Satan were assembled to make sure he didn't get out of that tomb. The best law enforcement, soldiers, powers that man had in the army of Satan were guarding that tomb. Don't let anybody get this body. Because if Jesus comes out of that grave, Satan says, I'm finished. Well, what happened on Sunday morning? He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Wow. Can you imagine that day for Satan? Can you imagine the meetings that he held after that with the demons and those that were in his army? When he said, How did you let that happen? Well, they were just too powerful. There was something came up on us that was too powerful. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of people living today that think they're finished spiritually. They think they've been too bad, too long, too tough, and there ain't any hope for them. And the Lord says, That's the reason you need to be born again. You got to start over again. You got to go back to square one. Let's die that, put the sins under the blood of Jesus and come back and start living again. But this time, you're going to listen to me. This time, you're going to follow me. I don't know if you ever were driving in a car and somebody said, the bridge is out up there, and you said, I'll drive where I want to, and you drove into the river and survived. The next time somebody's standing down the road and stops you, you won't be quite so stubborn. But you see, if you're, uh, in your teenage years or older, you've probably already come up to some of those. I know the Lord said it, but I'm going to, And then it came the second time a few later, and you went, it wasn't a river this time, you jumped in the pond. Then the next time you went to Galveston and drove off the seawall, you know, because you just couldn't get it right. God says, if you'll go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And I will lead you on on the path that will lead you eternal life, both here and forever. And I will set you free. And when I set you free, you're free indeed. That's what the Bible says. Now, we can either believe that or we can reject that. But Ephesians 1.20, as, a, as the Lord spoke about, about what was going on there, he clarifies it. When the, when the resurrection comes, everything that was at stake on that Sunday morning, would Jesus come out of that grave or would he not? And i got to say it one more time. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Now, hear this, church family. Hear this. Those of you that are watching Or listening, if you are a born-again Christian, the same power that was present on resurrection morning is present right now to any person that's willing to die to sin and have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. You can start over again. You don't have to make any apologies. Just put it under the blood and don't bring it up anymore. Don't say anything about your past. That is forgiven and it is forgotten. But say, as for me, I'm going to follow the Lord. You can have power over any and every temptation if Jesus lives in your life. He will make you think different. He will not withhold any good thing from you, and he will lead you in the way of righteousness. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith... Listen, he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, he loved us. He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we're saved. Has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the church. All of us are different. All the different spiritual gifts are represented in the church. But when we are born again, we begin to hold each other up instead of dragging each other down. And we take it very seriously that we want to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. That is the mission statement of this church if you're a guest. We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Ephesians 6.12 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Who are we wrestling against? Who does that describe? Satan. Satan and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wow. Satan had a lot of power. But let me tell you, that's bad news. Let me tell you the good news. Jesus has a whole lot more. He's not waiting on you to work out in your spiritual gym and get strong. He wants you to lean on him. We used to sing an old song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, you know, we sang leaning, leaning, you know, leaning on Jesus, leaning on his everlasting arms. There's a lot of good theology in that song. We got to depend on him, folks. If the devil's going to fall, God's going to bring him down. But he's already brought him down. When Jesus rose, he brought Satan down. Satan doesn't have any power over you. So quit blaming him. Don't tell him the devil made you do it. You made that decision yourself. You didn't study all the ramifications of it. You thought you'd get by with it, just like you do when you speed and go through the school zone with a telephone in your ear and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we've all been there. You know, don't look so spiritual to (laughs) me. But every once in a while, we get caught, don't we? That's what authority is for. Slow you down and stop you when you need to and maybe really get your attention if necessary. But you know what? God didn't come to put us in jail. He came to set us free. And I don't care what kind of jail you're in, what kind of bondage you're in. Our church has been blessed with so many that have been incarcerated and God has set them free even while incarcerated in the jail. And they've come, there's been many of them here today. And boy, when the Lord sets you free, you're free indeed. And they bring people from everywhere to Jesus. So many of these baptisms you see, that's not because the preacher and the deacons and the church leaders have been knocking out on doors. That's not the main reason, though we do that kind of thing. But you know where most of them come from? When lost people get saved. Really get saved, not go join some church somewhere, but they get born again, they go back to everybody they love and say, let me tell you something, I finally found what freedom is. That is what we've lost, folks. We have lost the ground of understanding we win. We even know who's gonna win. Don't ask me if it's going to be the Falcons or the Patriots. I am not concerned about that, and I don't think God is worried about it too much. I don't think he's betting on it. It wouldn't be fair because he knows he's going to win anyway. <laughs> but we get caught up in that kind of thing, and I love sports. I really, really do, but I love Jesus more. And I like to be following someone I know I'm going to win. You know, if I bet it'd be bad, I'd be cheating because I already know who the winner is. And, and, you know, you're not supposed to bet like that. You can get in a fight over that, I imagine, but that's the way it is. But from your perspective, do you think the church has really lost a whole lot of its power in your lifetime? If you've lived 50 years, you know it has. You know, there was a day when the church had tremendous influence in every community where they were. I mean, major influence. And it was good influence. It wasn't, it wasn't, they're doing bad things, but because people are so wanting their community to be God-honoring, Christ-centered, where the children could be saved. The doors didn't have to be locked. And there would be, you know, those kind of things. And the church was right in the middle of that. That's no longer there. No longer there at all. We have lost that ground. And even though the Bible says, those in authority are my ministers, but yet we have allowed those things that creep into our world take us down. We need to reclaim that ground. And because Jesus rose from the grave, we can do that. When's the last time you heard or read this verse? Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now listen to this. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. That's the first book in the Bible, 26 verse, chapter 1. God gave all of that. Adam and Eve and they couldn't handle one tree unbelievable hundreds of years later the psalmist David wrote in the 115th psalm verse 16 the heaven even the heavens are the Lord's but the earth has he given to the children of men and then in the 8th chapter of psalms verse 3 when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon the stars which thou hast ordained what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. Adam was given power. He lost it. He lost it. All during that time that it was lost, things, the wheels began to come off of Israel and the nations of the world. And it had all fallen because of sin. Adam chose to sin. You know what? When Jesus came up out of that grave, the church was given all power. That power was given to us in order that we could have power over anything that came against us. But you know what we've done? We have let it get away from us. We're like a bunch of weaklings. We walk around as though we don't really believe that all power has been given to us. But folks, our job is to not to criticize and rebuke. Our job is to bring revival, to bring people to Jesus. And You say, well, I'm not going to ask them. They won't come. Would you ever ask them? No, but I know they wouldn't. How do you know that? You might be shocked. There's a room full of people right here that felt that one way one day. But you know what? They've lived long enough. They've invited some people and they've gotten saved. They've gotten born again. Boy, that's the way God works. Matthew 16, 18 says upon, he says, I say unto you, you're Peter upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. Well, we march around. We see Adam. We think about resurrection morning. Adam lost his kingdom. You know why he lost it? He chose to disobey God. How do we lose our kingdom? We, We refuse to disobey God. We decide we're not going to preach the Bible. We decide we're not going to tell people about heaven, hell, the judgment, how to be born again, how to be saved, how to have eternal life, how their life can matter for God. We say no, we're not going to do that. Our generation doesn't want that. Hundreds of years after Adam, there was a man named Saul. Saul stood head and shoulders taller than anybody in in the tribe. Israel needed a king. That's this was God's nation. They needed a king. They wanted a man to look like a king, act like a king, talk like a king, and they sent a people out looking for him. They found King Saul. They brought King Saul back. He became king of Israel. He began to be the most powerful and the wealthiest man on the planet. Everybody looked at him and said, that's my king, that's my king. Look at that, what we got for a king. That's my man. But you know, one day, he thought that he didn't need God anymore. So one day, God sent a man out, one of his servants. He told king, what he had better do, and he didn't do it. And he came back to him. He said, Saul, God told you what to do, and you didn't do what he told you. Now he's going to take your authority away from you. He said, you're not going to take my authority, not with my money, not with my power, not with my influence. You're not going to take me down. Then the little guy, the prophet, said, yeah, he's going to take you down. Well, he went up against a puny nation with the strongest army in the world, Israel, And this little ragtag army started coming, and they couldn't stop him. All of his soldiers couldn't stop him. And he came up to King Saul, and Saul realized his nation was going to fall and that he was going to be killed in this battle. Everybody fled. He asked his armor bearer, "Take, take my sword. I want you to take my life. I don't want to die at the hands of this enemy. And he wouldn't do it. So he ran. The armor-bearer ran. The sword-bearer ran. It took off. And Saul took the sword, put it in the ground, and fell on top of it and committed suicide. Now, it's the king of Israel, king of God's people. Fell on his sword. But if you look in your Bible in, in 1 Samuel 26, 21, you'll see his epitaph. He wrote it. Here's what he said. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David... For I will no more do you harm, because my soul was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool, and I have erred exceedingly. I have sinned, I have played the fool, I have erred exceedingly. That's King Saul, strongest man on the planet. Listen, folks, God says, come unto me all your weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In your weakness, I will be made strong. Church, you're not a weak church. Don't let the the news media bother you. Even though the numbers are going down, Jesus said in the last days, he says to Timothy in another place, perilous times are going to come and there's going to be a falling away from the church. But you get ready because I'm coming. I'm coming. And one day we will hear that trumpet sound. We will hear that voice say, Come home, my child. My children come home. And God offers to give us everything. Everything. But you know what we're doing? God gives it to us and we give it back to Satan. He gives us our life and our time, we give it to Satan. He gives us our money, we give it to Satan. I've got a book right here that just hit my desk last week, a contemporary book that says in 2012, the average American spent $2600 on entertainment. 2600 and I've mean had a family of 4, multiply that by 4. Now what did they gain out of all that? Where have we gone with this entertainment crave that we've got? What have we done? God gives it to us, and we throw it to the world. Throw it to the world. Get in the lottery line. Here, take it back. Take it back. I don't want that kind of stuff. You know, I'm going to bet on this. I went in the barbershop yesterday, and the barber was telling me about all the bets that he was making. You know, and he had somebody had 25 boxes in this thing. I'm thinking, you crazy nut? You stand up here and work all day, and you're going to throw it all away. You know? Yeah, but one of these days I'm going to win big. Yeah, I know. And one of these days you're going to get hit by lightning twice too. But. But, you know, just keep on. But that's the way we are, folks. We're just absolutely crazy from God's standpoint. Because when God blesses you, there's plenty more where that comes from. He's just wanting to bless you. If you'll just let him bless you with your time and your talents, with your substance, he said, I will open the windows of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing you can't believe. And you say, no, 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 no. No, I believe all the advertisements I see on television. I believe, I mean, it's in the newspaper. It's got to be true, you know. I heard it on the news the other night. I mean, who would disbelieve the news? It's just totally accurate. It's the Bible that doesn't tell the truth, but the news, you can always trust on them. I mean, you, you, you just flip down through the channel. You get as mixed up as a termite in a yo-yo, just trying to understand, you know, what well, he did, he did, she did. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Oh, no. Well, you want know, to turn it off and just go jump in a swimming pool or something. But listen, I'm through. I don't think there's any argument here from anybody that you can give me and I'll be glad to meet you if you'll buy the lunch. (laughs) And you cannot show me anything in a practical way that would help me believe that the church is growing in its strength as it leaves God out of what it does. I don't think you can prove that to me. Anyway, I I don't believe you can even give me just a little ray of hope as we watch it go down but I know what this book says, so I'm not shaking up. I know either we're going to have revival or we're going to hear a trumpet sound. And the Lord's going to come back, and you know what he's going to rapture? The church, the body of Christ. Not the church denomination, the body of Christ. And what he says is, if you want it back, I'll give it back to you, but you're going to have to admit that you've lost it. You're going to have to admit you made bad decisions, And you've got to come to me all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and I will revive the church. Boy, I would love to see when the trumpet sounds. I would love to know. Man, I'd I'd love to walk out of a place like this when I see people baptized or in a few minutes as we're going to see people come to know Christ as Savior and then get out there, not even get to my car, and I hear that trumpet. And I know I've just seen the last person come home. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Won't that be a day? What a day, glorious day, that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, I shall look upon his face, the one who died for me. He died for you too, folks. The church is our rock. This is our family. We need each other, but we need only those that will follow him. We don't need to make decisions between us. We need to make decisions. We all agree. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life.